All right, welcome back. Episode 14. Man, amazing. I love that we have consistently kept to this. 14 episodes, that's kind of a it's kind of a big deal. It is. Feels like it's gone by really fast and really slow at the same time. Yeah. at the pace it needed to in order for it to have impact, in my opinion. When we're doing each episode, it, we always, it's always kind of relaxed and we're just chatting. We're not rushing through anything and we just wander through yes, what God's doing in our lives and wander through the conversation. So it doesn't feel rushed. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, oh, this is episode 14. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, it's wild. And I love the 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 regions that we're able to connect with people on or in, which I would never have thought this would reach that far. That was kind of surprising when you sent me the the different areas, geographic locations that, or geographic areas that people were listening from. Yeah. Like, oh that's that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, we um we have people listening in Belgium, which is amazing. I never thought we would reach Europe. Um, I've got a cousin in Germany, but I, I don't think she's said anything to anybody. And I don't know if they have friends in Belgium. I don't think they do. But just the fact that we have people in like Europe listening to this is pretty wild to me. And it's like consistent. That's crazy. So if you're listening from, from Belgium, thank you. Um, we hope that we're having impact in your life. Okay, so I know you have I know you have a topic. Yes. But as often happens, yeah. Oh look, something shiny. So this will be like a little pre-topic. Yeah. When you were talking about the different areas like in Belgium or Europe or there were other places in the US, right? Yep. That we had people listening from. Yeah, Columbus, uh, Ashbury, Chicago. But it made me think of as you were saying that is um, I think one of the challenges in the church is to, to remain culturally relevant as times change. Like how do we stay culturally relevant? Yeah. And it feels like we think that that's very challenging. Like, Oh man, this is, how do we stay cold? How do we, you know, do, what do we do to be culturally relevant, whether it's, you know, in the arts or music or social media? And as you're mentioning these people listening from different locations, it's like, these are people that are in completely different contexts that we are. Their, their life looks completely different than ours. Sure. Um, but what occurs to me is the fact that Jesus in the way that he loves us will always be culturally relevant. So true. There's certain things that, that we're talking about that we, we, we're walking through that cross cultural, demographic, whatever kind of categorizations. Um, and I think the Bible does or just, it, it shows us how there are things like, I, I think again of, of the love chapter in Corinthians you want to find things that are culturally relevant? Those things outlined in that chapter 
they will always be culturally relevant. And they're deep and they're, they're meaningful and they're profound and they're moving and they connect with people. Um, it seems like all this other stuff, it may be relevant and it may help us connect with people like uh, movies, music, entertainment, different lifestyle things. It's like, sure, they help us connect. But when I look at that through the lens of the Bible, it's like those things feel superficial. And those things seem like they change from year to year, from decade to decade. But you know, there's things that don't change. And if we're, we're trying to love people in those ways, if we're trying to connect with people in the ways that the Bible prescribes, it's always going to be culturally relevant. Yeah. I, there, I'm, I'm stumbling with my words right now because like there's, there's a moment that I had this morning and I didn't expect to even have this conversation at all. Um, I was thinking about my journey and, you know, kind of the, where we're going to lead to the, to the actual topic. But I was listening to Hillsong United's I Heart Revolution album. That's the album that I talked about a couple of podcasts ago that uh, actually when I talked about our, our testimony um, that I was listening to when I encountered God in a really tangible way. Well, I had another moment like that this morning and I was, I came back to that record, but there's something that I realized is Hillsong United's albums over the past, you know, this, that, that, that album was, was recorded probably 2007 ish and released in 2008. Worship back then, I feel like is so different compared to what worship is now. And especially what they have as a band have molded into. Okay. I was thinking about, man, I wish that they could go back to what they originally had created because I think there's so much cultural power in them recreating their sound back to what their original sound was, not to what it is today and what it's formed over. It feels very relevant to the culture now, but I think back then they weren't trying to do that. They were just focusing on let's make music for Jesus. And, and then it just kind of blew up and then they ended up doing this big tour and, Mm -hmm. and they weren't trying to be relevant. They were, they had a mission of, there's, there's injustice in the world where people are in Africa, they're going hungry and in India, they're going hungry and there's disease and there's all these things. And in America, there's, there's neighborhoods that are, they're lacking a lot. And there's something that happened yesterday. So I, I have taken up doing DoorDash uh, as an interim, as my companies, we're trying to make money as a, as a company and we're not making money yet, but I'm doing a DoorDash as a, like a side thing. And I was having a moment with God and kind of just wondering, why am I doing this? Like feeling kind of, I was already burdening myself. I was already taking on those ideas and, and, and thoughts. I ended up in this neighborhood in Austin that I've never been to in East Austin and heavy poverty. And this, this person had ordered McDonald's and they ordered McDonald's. I was in, if you're from Austin, like the North area where like the old, um, uh, North, I think it's called like North Storm, North Star Mall. North Star, yeah, I yeah. know where that is. Where the guitar center is at? Yeah. So, Used to be a nice rink there and stuff like yeah. that on Anderson, yeah. 
So I was over there and they bought McDonald's from there. And then they ended up, I had, I had to take it all the way to East Austin, like by the airport. And I'm driving there. I'm like, why in the, you know what, did they purchase McDonald's from over here? And I'm driving it all the way to this side of town. And I felt like God tell me I'm bringing you here for a reason. So I get to this neighborhood and I'm driving through mobile homes and it is just, and I'm, and I felt like him telling me, look around. So as I'm driving, I'm looking and I see these kids, none of them look happy. And I'm looking at these families out in their front yards. None of them look happy. And he reminded me, you are not as far gone as you actually think you are. And you're not living in, in poverty in the way that you think you are in your mind. And I just, I didn't expect to be here. And there's a conversation that we had on Wednesday at, at breakfast. We're recording this on Friday. We're a couple of days late because just schedules didn't work out. But as I was telling Adrian and Stu at our breakfast, some of the struggles I've been having and over the past couple of months, you know, mentally, emotionally, and uh, I had a conversation with a, with a really close friend of mine and he had reminded me about David. And we got into this really deep conversation of King School. And I'm not going to go into that. Well, maybe one day we'll get into this, but. That was a good conversation. It was. But we ended the conversation at breakfast with 1 Samuel 17, 17 through 19. And at the end of 19, it talks about, hey, don't forget the cheese. It's David's dad telling him, don't forget the cheese on top of the other things that he was going to take. I felt like God used that moment to show me there's a lot for you to do, even in your city. So then I started, I started to pray, what can I do? How am I relevant to be able to go and like, you're bringing me to this neighborhood. Are you asking me to come back and do something here? Or I don't know what that is. I, you know, there's, I think God is going to continue to show me what that looks like. But as I think about relevancy and trying to be culturally relevant, I think we miss the mark because there's a lot of people out here. There's a lot of families. There's a lot of neighborhoods that don't have the resources or they don't, or maybe they don't even know the gospel and they're not being loved on. And I got pulled into this neighborhood as a reminder of that. And so whether God uses this neighborhood in the future, I won't, I won't know. I don't know. Uh, but I think there's something really deep. There's like, there's, there's a, there's a really underlining theme that he hasn't revealed to me yet, but he's starting to, and I don't know what that is, but I think it's, the relevancy conversation we're having right now. Mm-hmm. I think we, we get so tied into trying to build churches to be these like mega churches or there, or let's be relevant in our neighborhoods when we can have so much more impact outside of that. I'm not saying that that's not important, but I feel like in like what he's telling me is there's like, we're not meant to just sit in one location we're meant to go out into the world, make disciples of all nations, all tongues. And I think that's what he's building up in me right now. Hmm. This happens all the time, man. 
Like there's like several little threads that I want to pull on right there. Um, one, we were talking about David cause you were talking about DoorDash mm-hmm. and David had been a shepherd and he'd been taking care of sheep. And all of a sudden I'm trying to remember who exactly called him. Now Jesse said to his son, David, take this ephah of roasted green and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So we know this story. David goes, he's he's door dashing for his brothers. (laughs) He's taking some food to them. He's been told to. When he gets there, well, we know what happens with David and Goliath. He was doing this thing which you could just consider, well, I'm just just delivering food. But one thing we know about David is that he had a heart after God. He was a man after God's own heart. And he was doing this this seemingly trivial thing and all of a sudden he's presented with an opportunity. How often are we doing this thing that we think is small? And how often do we miss opportunities that God's put before us? In this case, he went and he's like, who's that and why are y'all afraid of him? And he stood up because he had a heart after God. But him him having a heart after God didn't mean, oh, I'm doing all this religious, all this ministerial stuff. No, he's just doing what he's normally doing. But his heart's still after God. I I still do the stuff that I normally do. I'm still just doing running this errand. But my heart is constantly after God, listening. And I think if we have a heart like that, if we have a heart that's ready to respond to his leading in any situation, um, God will do amazing things through us. In that case, we see what came of that. So some of this goes back to something I've shared before that we've talked about. Walking out the gospel of Jesus begins with the person standing right in front of you. Yes. What opportunity... Because I believe that God is sovereign and I believe that God can use every one of those intersections with the person in front of you. He can use every one of those intersections in a powerful way. Yep. So what are, we, what are we doing with those opportunities? When, when you're delivering McDonald's to East Austin. Dude, the, when I got there, <clears throat> when I got there, I, I was already at this point point mentally where I'm like, I'm so done. And, <laughs> and I, I, I ended up like on the other side of the trailer park where I didn't need to be. And I had to go. And it, I think it was just, I just, God did it on purpose so that I could see and look at everything. He wanted you to see it all. Yes. Interesting. And I was, yeah, I mean, it was, um, I think it was that moment that you're talking about. It's, you know, uh, it, I think the big thing that I, that I actually, what I wanted to communicate here was I would not have been prepared to look if I hadn't had that conversation with you guys that morning. 
or the the morning before. Oh, interesting. Because I I think it what it did was it prepared me to stay aware to what he was saying. Yeah. Not not necessarily for everything around me, but what he Listening wanted to, to him. Yeah. And so when I got there and the whole entire day, right? Like doing DoorDash, if if you ever do a DoorDash or if you ever do an Uber Eats or some type of like thing like that, tip these guys as much as you can because they 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 make they don't make a lot of money. And I feel like now I have a really big heart for any person that does any type of like yeah. you know, waitressing or any anything like that. Um I have a lot of compassion for if you're doing that for a living, God bless you. And I hope that he blesses it. And that's what I continue to pray the whole entire day. I don't know why I'm doing this, God, but bless it. Like, you know, and, and he did walking me or driving me through that neighborhood and me seeing, seeing the potential of, of whatever impact we could have as a church. Cause I started thinking as I left, and I'm like, well, why did you bring me here? Like, started asking, what is it that you want me to do? Because I just felt this heaviness of like, remember that neighborhood. So I started asking him, like, do you want me to partner with a church here locally for this neighborhood? Are you asking me to, I just started thinking these really wild thoughts. Like, what would happen if I had the money to like walk to every single door and say, I just want to bless you today. Here's four or $500, go and you just, I mean, there's, you don't know. And those are the type of things I started dreaming of because I was driving through this neighborhood. He brought me there. For, and I don't know if that was the reason. Fast forward to this morning, we're talking about relevance and I'm listening to that album. I just started dreaming all these dreams that I've had for years that I stopped dreaming about mm-hmm. a long time ago. And I think it was a cumulative process of me going through what I went through yesterday and then waking up in the way that I did and then offering up this, this call to God. And then, which we'll get to the topic in a minute, but getting to this position of heart that I needed to be in order to connect with him in the way that I needed. I think we talked about this before, but when I think of Jesus's ministry, it seems like he was always walking from point A to point B. And engaging whoever he happened to encounter between point A and point B. He, yeah, he did. It wasn't like it, it to me it didn't seem like um I'm going to start this big ministry and outreach to this group of people. I'm going to start this program and this outreach and this, this big organized, organized, you know, effort for that thing. I'm walking from this place to that place. And everybody that I run into is collateral damage. I run into Zacchaeus. I run into the woman at the well. I run into Nicodemus. I run into all the disciples. So in that case, I understand the dream. Yeah. Maybe God's speaking like dreams and, and vision into that thing. Yeah. But what about that person when you walked up to him? Yeah. You know, it's like, it, and it can be a both and. Yeah. It's like, it, 
but again, that, that person that's in front of us. Um, I was listening to something again this morning and, and I've heard it before. I've heard it in motiv- motivational speeches and I've heard it in church, but I always think it's really powerful. And it's this, it's this story or this illustration of a father and his grand or a grandfather and his grandson walking on the beach. And something has happened where, um, the way I heard it today was all these, uh, I think it was starfish had washed up on the shore. It's like these hundreds and hundreds of starfish washed up. They washed up on the shore and, and the grandfather, you know, picks one up and he's throwing it back in the water, realizing that as they've washed up on the shore, if they don't get back in the water, they're going to die. Yeah. But there's hundreds of them. And the grandfather picks one up and he throws it back in the water. He picks another one up and throws it back in the water. His grandson tells him, well, why are you doing that, Grandpa? You're never going to get them all. It doesn't matter. And the grandfather looks at the grandson and says, it matters to that one. Wow. That's so good. It matters to that one. And I think sometimes we we look at the shore and we see all the wounded and we we try to come up with efforts and (coughs) programs and things to address everything. And in doing that, we miss the one that's right in front of us. Because you and I can have an impact on a person's life in that moment. Right. That's all you have. Yeah. Paula does a, an amazing job of this. Every time we, we go out to eat, and I've kind of picked it up, I've learned it from watching her. Um, she always asks the waitstaff how they're doing. And I started doing that, and now I start asking the waitstaff their name. Yeah. And you know, when we go to breakfast with Stu, yeah. we know everybody's name in there. Yeah. We, we we know most of their name. I'd say most of their names. Yeah. Um, but like Carly, we walk in. She knows who we are. We know she, who she is. Um, Rihanna, Becca, Matthew, the man. It's like you just start asking. Yeah. And it's funny because... This is no longer just a weight person. There's a person, and they were always a person in front of you. Yeah. But it, it shifts your, your perspective. Like you, you start, you just start seeing more. And I kind of feel like that's how we should see everybody. And Paula, I, we've said this before. Our prayer is that, you know, Jesus, let us see what you see when we look at others, because then we'll be moved to love the way you love. Yeah. Um, but I feel like sometimes in the past, we, we turn this on and off. If we're in a certain setting, it's like, okay, we don't, we're in a certain situation and we don't really see those people. And um, We're in another situation and we do see them. And it's definitely been an eye-opening experience because in every situation, we're trying to see folks. Yeah. It's interesting because the, everything that happened yesterday and then from this morning made me reach out to the Apundos to, to see how they were doing. And oh, I've, I mean, I've told you this before, before we jumped on here. I've had a heart for missions for a long time. Like I, I, I want to, to do a mission trip to Africa. I want to do a mission trip to 
a lot of third world countries and serve. It's just what I want to do. And uh, now that I have a connection in Africa, now I'm really thinking about it. And I reached out to them to just to see where, well, number one, to check in, just because I want to check in with them. Because I haven't, ta- I haven't talked to them in a long time. But I feel like it's a setup for something in the future. Holly and Lawrence are two of the sweetest people we've ever met. And I think they're in um, Kenya. Mm-hmm. They are incredibly sweet people. Yeah. Um, we, we love them to death. And I think there was talk of a mission trip to Kenya to go see them. Oh, really? Yeah. There, we've, there's been some talk already about that. So I think um, we're trying to coordinate with them. Um, I'm not sure on the specific dates. Sure. But yeah, you'll have to make that happen. You have yeah. to you have to jump in on that. Yeah, because I was thinking about just doing it by myself. I was like, I'll just take a trip out there and even better. Yeah. Um I would love to take my kids with me. Oh wow. Yeah, I think you know, all of this is I think the the major theme here is just being attuned to the Holy Spirit and is when he's speaking to you and listening. So this morning I went to breakfast with Moy and then me and Moy went and hung out with a friend of ours, Terry. And that's exactly what we were talking about. Mm. Being, being attentive and just having a listening ear for the Holy Spirit and what God's saying at any given moment. Um, and I think he's speaking more often than we realize we're not listening as often as we should. So we miss it. So the prayer is no longer God speak. The prayer is God help me listen. Help me hear. Because I think he's speaking all the time. Yeah. I think he's saying and I think he, he's, his desire is for us to, to, to do certain things, but we're not always listening that uh, that leads perfectly into the theme for today. You know, I woke up this morning just feeling really, really down and really, really just this kind of heavy depression. So I just started praying, asking God to step in. And there was a moment where I just felt like I needed a hug. And then I started praying that, Jesus, I need a hug from you is to anybody that may listen to this, they may think that's so, that's so dumb, like, you know, but let me, I just want to just go with me for a minute. As simple as that sounds, and even, even as crazy as that sounds, right? Because you're talking about if you're not a believer and maybe you're struggling with your faith, asking for a hug from a God that we don't see seems like a wild thought, right? I'll acknowledge that. But if you ask that question, be ready. Because I can't even explain it, but the Holy Spirit wrapped me up 
And there was this moment of release that I felt in the moment. And the, the number one picture that I continued to see in my mind was a father embracing their child, right? Everybody has been a child at some point. You know what it's like to hug your parents. And when they do it with intention, you know what that feels like. And so I started thinking about my daughter um, and that feeling that she has when I intentionally give her that. And all she has to do is ask. And I just started processing just this, this emotion of re- and releasing it. Um, and I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of speaking over me in that moment. And we talked about something a couple of weeks ago. Actually, we haven't, we haven't even talked about this today. In order for you to, in order for you to really know who you are, you have to know who God is in your life. Absolutely. We talked about it specifically um, in talking about Peter. Yeah, that's right. Who do you say I am? Yeah. And it was only when Peter recognized and acknowledged who God was that he was told who he was. Oh, I had that Peter moment this morning. And I was telling Adrian, there's, since being a father, I have always wanted to be soft and loving. I, I have a hard time with that. I'm very much like macho dude. Um, I got pride just like any other guy. But as I was praying Lord, I want to I want to be soft in the vision the way that you gave me for my kids. And I also want to be that for other people. And what he spoke was one of those things that just brings you to your knees, which was you got to let me love you like that before you can love other people in the same way. Mm. That broke me wrecked me. I'm talking about bawling my eyes out. I mean, even thinking about it now, I'm like holding it in. Um, but it was that Peter moment. Like I needed to, I needed to know who he was in my life. And I think there was, there's been this, this level of struggle that I've been dealing with. And this is, this is kind of where the topic where I wanted it to go, which is, you know, sometimes we need a hug. Um, but the reason we don't get it a lot of the time is because we're holding on to something that doesn't allow us to receive it. And I feel like that was, I was holding on to a lot of things. I mean, I could, I can write a laundry list of things that I was holding on to that I felt like I couldn't feel the Holy Spirit and I couldn't feel his embrace and his grace and mercy on my life. Cause I felt like I was in constant opposition. Cause I was just like asking him to do things, do, 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 do God. Why aren't you doing, why aren't you doing? And there was a moment of peace and release and freedom this morning from me just realizing his authority in my life and giving that to him. But that's not that he didn't stop there. He didn't stop at like, I am God. I'm I'm on the throne. No, he, he acted as a father. 
and that hug that I needed. I thought I was going to, and honestly, there was a point in my prayer where I thought like, oh, maybe he's going to bring somebody to me and I'm going to have this like really long hug that I need. No, bro. Just right there in the moment. And it was something that I needed. And I think we probably all need um, in our lives. And it's, and now it's something that I'm going to continue to say and ask for because there was a moment after I was, I started getting in my head. I pray, I prayed this during my prayer this morning and I've prayed this over the past couple of months, which is like, God protect me from myself. Because when I start thinking about things, I start obsessing about things. I start getting into like this crazy thought pattern. And, um, in the moment today, this morning, after all of that, I'm leaving the gym. I'm like, all right, God, I need another hug. And he gave it. It sounds crazy. Even if like, if maybe you're a believer and you're, you, you've never prayed a prayer like that. It's a wild thought, but let me tell you as tangible as it can be. It felt like a legit hug from somebody that I loved. Kind of relating this to needing to know who God is, needing to acknowledge who God is before we can be told or discover who we are. Similarly, I think we need to know the love of God before we can show the love of God. I think about how many times in my life have I thought I knew the love of God? Well, think of the challenges. You're talking about the love of a father. Most of us didn't have or don't have a perfect father. Biologically. Yeah. So to even say the word father, I think when you say father to someone, for us, the immediate, most often the most immediate reference point and characteristics we think of when someone says father are the characteristics of our earthly fathers. So now what I think happens, it's happened for me and I think it happens for others, is when we try to approach God as our father, we see him through the lens of our earthly father. What a limiting thought. And, and we expect that he is going to behave in the same way that our earthly father did. And he's going to treat us the way our earthly father did. So there's like this recalibrating that needs to happen. There's this, we need to, to come to understand that our earthly fathers, regardless of how great they were, are not the same as our 
godly father. God is the perfect father. And I think sometimes we approach or don't approach God or how we approach God has a lot to do with our relationship with our earthly father. Because we're like, oh, if God is our father, then he's, here's what I know about a father. Yeah. And I think we need to, to look to the Bible to have that, that reference point reset and discover, no, this is, this is what a perfect father looks like. Yeah. Well, that's why he brought me to Luke. So let me read this real quick for you guys. Luke 15, 20. So it's talking about the prodigal son. But looking at it from this perspective was so much heart wreckage because it just, you know, makes you just want to cry out. So it starts off with, so he left and went to his father. He's talking about the prodigal son. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and felt sorry for him. So he ran to him and hugged him and kissed him. A lot of times we think of the prodigal son as a story of someone that ran away and they're lost. But God showed me this morning where he was in that story. Bro, I was wrecked. Still wrecked. Running to us with his arms open. I can't just, yeah. The, the commitment and, and the, the representation of love in that story is, it's what I wanted in, in my prayer time. And, and the reason he showed me that was for that reason, because I needed to know, I needed to know his heart. And what a beautiful picture he created for me this morning in that just the, just the idea. Like I think about, I mean, you can think about that with anybody. It doesn't matter if you, if you have a child or it could be your spouse. Like they bring you that much joy. You you talked about, this is the first time you and Paula being apart. Mm. Like the excitement to see her the day she gets back. Like you can choose that excitement. I'm, I'm apart from my kids a few days a week and I can look at that as like a break or I can look at that as an opportunity for me to run for them, run to them. And that's like the picture that I keep like seeing in my head as I think about God in my life, like in this moment where he fully embraced or I got to fully embrace him and what, I don't know, like what the representation of love looks like and how that, how that also can be put into the context of other people and like just the impact you can have in other people's lives because he's pouring out in you and then you're seeing people in the same way. Because I, as I was driving through that neighborhood, there was like a level of just wanting to go and 
hug these kids and these families that are sitting out, like most of them minorities. Like I could have, I could have gone to that neighborhood and been like all these poor fools. That's not what happened. I think a father's love, whether it's our earthly father or our heavenly father, will inform and influence how we love others. Not just our children, but how we love anyone. How we are loved by our fathers, I believe, is going to have an impact on how we love others. And if we dig into, you know, and lean into the open arms of our godly father who's running to us, if we run into those open arms and accept his love and lean into that, that is going to change how we love others. It will. It's, it's going to, we're just, we're going to be changed. Yeah. So, if so, I think any time that we're we're spending time with God in prayer, in worship, um, in times of devotion, change is happening in our hearts. He's informing, forming, and influencing our hearts, our minds, our character, our spirits in such a way that we're not going to remain the same. I'm glad that you brought that up because that's, that's how I felt this morning. This wasn't, this was different. This is like one of those moments where like, it wasn't just a, like a Sunday prayer of like, hurrah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just a like daily prayer of like, oh, let me go through the motions of things. And like, I'm not saying that people do that, but we can, right? Um, we do. We do. Okay. We do. I mean, we'll call it out. We'll call we it do. out. Yeah, we'll call it out. But this this felt <coughs> this felt different. This felt I think we all have moments like this with God where it's kind of it's there's there's it's life changing. And it probably it probably should be like that all the time. Um but it isn't. And today felt like that moment. Like it I it felt almost exactly the same way that it did when I talked about my testimony, when I was sitting in that room in my parents' office and listening to that Hillsong United album, I Heart Revolution. And I I went back to that album this morning because of that. It just felt exactly the same. And maybe God was showing me that he doesn't change. I am... The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But there was a, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was life changing. Uh, in in what capacity, I, I don't know yet. But maybe it was just shifting of heart. But it it made a difference. You could tell something fundamentally had changed in you. Yeah. That sounds like a great place to be. 
feels like a great place to be. I was thinking when you were talking about that experience of uh, even just the experience of of doing DoorDash already. has changed how you see a group of people. And actually I can think of two groups of people. It's changed your perspective. It seems like two, two different perspectives or, or better yet, it's kind of created this single perspective where you see people in that poor community differently. And you see people in service industry like DoorDash, you'll see them differently. And from what you've shared, it seems to me that those are things that you cannot unsee. That's what dude is wrecking me right now. I don't know why. Legit. Jesus, help me to see others the way you see them so that I'll be moved to love them the way you love them. Yeah. It kind of feels like that's happened in some way. Mm. And I think that that's probably a uh, an ongoing process. It has to be. I think as we, we meet more and more people, as we encounter more and more people, I think one of the, the takeaways for me is who else am I not seeing? And why am I not seeing them? We went and spent some time this morning with a friend, Terry. And I find it really interesting because I've sat and talked with him before and we've, we've chatted and me and Moy went over there and I think him and Moy had planned to get together and then Moy just said, hey, you want to come along? And he checked with Terry, so I did. And we're sitting there in, in Terry's house and we're just talking. And he starts sharing different bits of his his testimony and just different bits of his life and different bits of his in, things that he's interested in. And he, he's, I've asked him this before. I said, Hey, when you were eight, we, we had, we were at like a front yard Friday or something. I said, Hey, when you were eight, what did you want to be? And he's 66 now. He said, I wanted to be an explorer. And he said, I still want to be an explorer. <laughs> and when he said it, he said it with this childlike wonder. And I loved seeing that. I loved just sitting across from this person and seeing this childlike wonder and seeing them light up. And then he started showing us, um, he's an artist. And he had created these, these works of art in, with glass. And I just see this beauty and wonder in things that he's created. And then he starts sharing with us. Each one of those um, was an instance of something God was doing in me. And this was another instance for me of I'm seeing something that I hadn't seen before. 
Um, and I found that every time that I have, every instance where I've taken time to sit with someone and be present and just ask them about them or their, their lives, I find amazing things. I begin to see the brushstrokes of God in their life. I begin to see the fingerprints of God on their character, on who they are. And this isn't to say that I see just perfection. Right. Or I see everything looks nice and tidy. That's not it at all. Yeah. But every single time I've sat with someone, I see evidence of God's handiwork at different stages of development. Yeah. And sometimes it's harder to see because sometimes um, folks are going through it. And what you see in that moment doesn't look great, but you keep digging. You keep digging. And it takes me back to that verse that that I, I go to all the time. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knitted your innermost parts. Every single person was created by God. Every single person bears his fingerprints. Every single person bears the brushstrokes of God. So I believe that there's going to be a blessing if I'll take time to be present and discover who that person is. Regardless of age, culture, Station of life, demographic. But am I willing to be present and see them? And sometimes circumstance is that thing that forces us to pause and see people that we never saw before. It's it's made me it's made me far more aware than I anticipated. Cause there was, um, after that moment, I started hearing Stu. Mm. Stu had said at breakfast the day before, you don't know where God is going to lead you for the day. There could be someone on the side of the road that needs a tire changed and you happen to be right there. Like God will use every single moment. And I just started realizing there is a lot of there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of people are going through crap. And if you just look up, you'll see it. And you may not have money to offer them, you may not have anything other than a prayer. But that goes far that goes further in life than anything else that you can give them in monetary, um, from a monetary perspective. So that's what I started doing. I was driving around going and picking up my last orders from that, from that moment. And I started praying for the people that I was dropping off food to. I was like, God bless, bless this for them. And I don't say that with like, give me applause. This, the reason I, I'm even saying this is that I would not be aware of these things if God hadn't revealed it to me because I would not be ready to look at it or look for it. 
And if you weren't in this circumstance? No way. For me to be dreaming about missions again, I haven't dreamt about missions in a, like a long time. Probably over like 10 years. And I don't even like, I don't even know how to even get that done. But um, I start praying about it. I'm like, all right, God, well, you're putting this back in my heart again. I'm, you must be doing something with this. This must be something that you want me to do or be a part of, even if it's a small sliver of whatever. I don't know what that's going to look like, but yeah. It makes me think of, um, we have a friend in, in one chapel who wrote a book and the title of the book was, and I remember the title of the book, Nothing is Wasted. Someone at our church wrote that? Mm-hmm. And like in this moment, I was just reminded of that title and how every circumstance Every situation, every tragedy, um, every victory, every reason for celebration is not wasted. God can and will use every one of those situations for his honor and glory. And for our good. Yeah. So in this this season that you're going through, in this circumstance, nothing is wasted. I thought about when I was going through my thoughts this morning with him. I think I got to a position of like losing all hope. And, and he knew. Just for a moment. I lost all hope. And I, you know, I've been praying this. I've been talking to him about like, why, why allow a second divorce? Why let me get here? Like, what is this season about? These are real questions that I've asked him. Why didn't you step in? All these, all these crazy thoughts. And today, he reminded me that he's not done. And this season has a purpose. What that purpose is, it'll come. Um, Starting to show me. And I would not have probably been here. I'm, I'm assuming I would have the thought Pretty much, you know, you know me, I'm a go-getter. I'll just be like, all right, God, let's go. Let's do it. Give me the resources. Let's roll. Um, but I don't think I'd be in the position of heart that I'm in right now if I hadn't gone through what I've gone through in the past you know, six or seven months. Or at least that's what I think.
Yeah, it's crazy. I wasn't like I told Adrian. I was I wasn't expecting to have to talk about this today because it just like happened this morning. I didn't want to like you know, we've talked about this on here. Where we get revelations and we want to just go tell a bunch of people. But I didn't feel that with this. And when you called me when you were driving down here, and you started talking about Moy and and. Uh, yeah, it just, it kind of felt like the right thing to do. There was something, when we were talking on the phone earlier, you, you were talking about, you know, the love of a father and him running to us with open arms. We were having this conversation about um, letting go of things that we're holding on to. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the illustration or the thought that came to my mind was in order for God some, to put something in our hand, we need to release what we're holding on to. Oh, yeah. I remember you said that. So good. And sometimes it's not even it's not a matter of opening our hands so they don't put something in it. It's not a matter of letting go of something with our hands so that he can put something new in them. Sometimes it's a matter of letting go of whatever we're holding on to so that we can take our hands and hold on to him. You you had said something about that a couple of weeks ago. Or maybe it was at breakfast. It was at breakfast. The idea at King School. Mm-hmm. Don't let that be a position where you are looking for the end result. The reward. Yeah, because we were talking about David's time being a shepherd and how someone had characterized that as King's school. And if we're not careful, then we might think of our time working and being a shepherd as a means to an end. So with that in mind, this moment that I had this morning was not for him to replace something in my hand. It was for me to fully release. to be in position like this. The beginning of the year, the thing that God, and this is directly related, what I felt impressed upon my heart was God saying, this year is going to be challenging. But if you cling to me, there'll be a blessing and everything will be okay. If you cling to me, everything will be okay. And right now, you, the sign you made was you held your hands out. Maybe it's just doing this and letting go. And what I'm feeling right now, based on everything you said in the conversation we've had, I don't think it's this. I think it's this. <laughs> and you did that just before. Yeah. I don't think he just wants us to let go. I think he wants us to hold on mm. to him because he's already trying to hold on to us. Bro, 
Interesting. The, the, the feeling that I had in the room this morning and that I had 12, 13 years ago, maybe even longer, maybe 14 years ago, I'm having that same feeling in this moment. It's like the Holy Spirit just like, The picture that I can try to create in my mind. Like a proud dad with his arm over his son, standing there. That's what it feels like. You know that safety of your dad just kind of being with you? That's it. It makes me think of that verse that we talked about a while back. Um, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And in that, yeah. God, continue, God continues to just show up in the way that I wasn't expecting him to. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Bro. In the midst of crying this morning, I just started laughing. And it's that. It was that. It was just just knowing he was there. Um, oh, man. I'm about to throw my I've <laughs> I've said this a million times. There and, and I'm and I'm gonna and I'm gonna think I don't know Joel Houston, never met him, but one time at a Hillsong concert, uh something really amazing, beautiful happened where they were singing an old song. Um, and uh, they started the progression and the crowd just started singing it. And they, they stopped and they just let people worship. They kept the progression going on keys. It was a very synthy um, song. And, uh, before he can go into the to the actual song, because they weren't planning on it, and he ended up going into it, he says on the mic, I don't know about you, but I want to rip my heart out of my chest and throw it at heaven. That has stuck with me since I heard him say that. And that's how I feel right now. Like, if I could take my hand into my chest, rip my heart out and throw it at heaven, like, that is the picture that I want to paint right now. And I don't have many moments like that. And like, this is one of those. Yeah. Man. So heavy in all the good ways. Let that settle. And he's ready to receive us and share this with us. Yeah. If if we'll just seek him. There's a on the I Heart Revolution album. Uh Brooke Ledgerwood, 
she does nothing but the blood. Mm. And uh, in the middle of the song, she says, um, let's stop and wait on God. And then she just starts singing a prayer over the people that were in that, in that place. Um, and I, I didn't recognize that until, I mean, this is, it was released in 2008. It's 2023. And all the years that that record is, that I've listened to that record and, or that song and listened to that album, it was the first time I heard that part. And, uh, and I, and one of the things that I heard was we have to we have to let things we have to let him settle on us so that we can start to hear him. I think that that's kind of the thing that I was feeling as you said that. I think Brooke she did a fantastic job of representing that in that song. What did she say? Um Let's wait on him. So I heard this quote a while back. And there's a couple of different thoughts. I was thinking about that thought. And I was thinking all of this stems from what you're sharing about um, just sitting in his presence and, you know, resting in his, in his embrace. And then you shared, like, let's just wait. Mm-hmm. And even when we, sometimes when we're, um, when we're sharing and we're talking, there's these long pauses. And I think that's good. Yeah. Because I, I think often there's too much noise. Mm-hmm. And I think of that scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. And as I'm, all these thoughts are going through my head and I thought of this quote. It's a quote by Blaise Pascal. And it's, um, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And I would add to that that most of our problems stem from our inability to be still and know that he is God. Mm-hmm. That's truth. And I think there are moments where we just need to be still and know that he's God. Yeah. Um, and find joy in his presence. And I think sometimes we, we try to be still and within the first 30 seconds, our mind is assaulted with all the things that we have to do that we didn't do that we should have done all our self speak. And I think it's, it's so much of a challenge just to be still. There's so much. It's such a, a simple concept, but not easy to be still and know that I am God. I think that's something that that requires a lot of, well, first of all, we have to desire that. But even when we desire it, I think it takes us being intentional 
and trying and working at doing that because it's not, we're not accustomed to being still. We're not accustomed to being still and knowing that he's God. You know, I think about there, there from this morning, there was a moment where I thought I didn't know what I actually needed. I think a lot of times there's, there's moments where we have that, or maybe it's a lot of time where we don't actually don't know what we, what we need from him. And so we try to cling to anything that we can get. And going back to the idea of surrender, letting go of that thing. Um, sometimes we get to the end of our rope and we're clinging onto like one tiny thread. It's a tiny little thing that's holding us back from the rest of the, the blessing of what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm. Emmanuel. How would that be? What would you think of that as the action item for this week? Yes. Five minutes. Not even 30 minutes. Just five minutes to be still and know that he is God. I think it sounds easy. Until you hit that first 15, 30 second mark and you're thinking about what you've got to do today. Yeah. And you hit that first 30 second mark and you're thinking about all the stuff you didn't do. How long is this going to take? Can I even do this? Does this make a difference? Why am I doing that? Wait, this is stupid. What am I doing? All the, all the chatter starts. <laughs> it just all starts coming up and we're having a conversation with ourselves ourselves. And then we start feeling guilty about having a conversation with ourselves because we're not being still. And the real estate's getting taken up. 45 seconds in, we're no longer being still and knowing that he's God. Dude. So just five minutes. And ask him to hug you. That five minutes is going to go a lot longer than you think. Mm. But yes, I think that's great. Five minutes start off. I know that thought. I know that question seems wild, guys. But ask him. For someone that's a believer for since I was 13 years old, 37 now, be 38 in June. very foreign idea for me to ask but boy <laughs> it's exactly what I needed and the last thought that I think I want to just hit on as crazy of a thought that is I think one of the things that it taught me is that what it looks like that's what it looks like to have faith like a child Suffer not the little children to come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I hope this blesses y'all. It's wrecked me. 
But I think we should end here. Yeah, it's, I think it's a great spot to end. Love you guys. Love y'all. We'll be praying for you. Yeah. Let's see you next week.